welcome adventurer to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Hey, welcome adventurers to episode 53 of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. My name's Patrick. Hey, King Scott here. And Scott, today we're looking at a side quest. We had the chance to get a copy and play Omicron Protocol. Going all the way back to PAX in December, we finally got in our plays. We had the chance to talk with Bernie and Brendan. Excited to talk about this game today. Yeah, this was one that was always in the back of my mind. I mean, you look at it and their excitement behind the game kind of builds your excitement to play the game. And that was that's always something great whenever you see that in a project. It's contagious. Uh, oh, God. Uh, we're but, we're oh telling God, the yeah, line right now. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> hey, before we get to talking about the game, though, Feuds and Favors has a few days left. Looks like they're on course to fund. It was a modest goal, and I think Brad's going to meet it. If you haven't listened to the Feuds and Favors episode, get on back there. We just posted it two weeks ago. Five Paths. We talked about Five Paths back in episode 47, our Merchants of the Dark Road episode. Five Paths is funded they're good to go that game is gonna get made and solar 175 hit like 500 percent saw that coming a mile away i thought this thing is gonna be huge it is it's funded Ugh. if you're a backer i'm excited for you I, i'm so excited for when you get your copy you see these bits you start playing this game you're gonna love it it is i mean everything that you get in that i mean it just builds such a great universe and everything oh man good stuff Good, good stuff. Scott, I had a friend message and say, hey, I want to join the guild to get in this Michaud contest you guys are talking about, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure how. So I was like, okay, here's the deal. Adventurers, we're giving away a copy of Michaud. And if you're listening to this episode on the day that it's released, today is the last day to enter to win your copy. And how do you enter? As I said in the commercials in the last couple episodes, all you have to do is join the guild. Our guild on Board Game Geek is Guild 3722. Maybe not everyone knows how you join a guild. So the simplest way, go to our website and click Guild Forums. That takes you right to our guild on BGG and you can click Join. Or go on Board Game Geek and go under the Guilds page, search Level Up Board Game Podcast. You should be able to find us no problem. We'll give you 10 Geek Gold so you can get yourself a Wilford Level Up Micro Badge. And just for joining, you're going to be entered in the contest for a copy of Michaud. And remember, that's worldwide. Yeah, and Michelle really is an interesting game. The mechanics in it, where you're playing, you're trying to survive, but you actually have to kind of go mad at times just to keep going. So it's a it's a very skinny tightrope that you have to walk on that to win that game. Scott, we want this guild to grow because this summer we got some plans for Level Up, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. We have things coming up with Board Game Arena going on with possible tournaments with Seven Wonders, possibly Tapestry. Yeah. Uh, there's different things we may be going to, different shows. I mean, there's a lot of things we have going on. Scott, instead of bantering a bit about Omicron Protocol, how about we get right to a walkthrough? Then let's get Bernie and Brendan in here, and we'll do some thoughts after the interview. Sound like plan? That sounds pretty good. I mean, uh, let the adventurers listen to how you play it, and then what we thought about it. All right. 
Designed by Brendan Kendrick and Bernie Lynn and published by Dead Alive Games, Omicron Protocol is a squad-based miniature skirmish game for one to four players. Note that the game has variations for solo play, team play, and competitive. For this walkthrough, I'll briefly go over the competitive version. At the start of a game of Omicron Protocol, each player selects a faction and gathers the character cards and miniatures for their choice. Collectively, players will select a scenario and set up its starting terrain and objectives. Resources are then distributed appropriately, and you're ready to play. A round of play in Omicron Protocol is actually quite simple. First, the round player order is determined, then players receive an allotment of action points, which are the game's primary currency, and finally each player gets a forager card for the round. Think of these as enhancing items. Now we move on to the activation phase, which is where the meat of the game takes place. In this phase, players spend their activation points, or AP, to carry out the things that they want to do. Players do so using one character at a time until each player has activated each character in their squad or until they run out of AP. The actions are what you might expect in a miniatures game. You have movement, using your forager cards, and of course combat. Make no mistake though, the actions become varied from character to character as each member of your squad has an abilities card which outlines actions specific to that character. Sometimes the actions a player selects will generate some amount of noise, a mechanic which you might be familiar with from, say, Nemesis or perhaps Zombicide. Noise is important because in each scenario, there's a third party that is out to hinder and destroy your squad, the cybermimetic sociopaths, or Sims. After each turn, these Sims activate following the rules on the Sims reference card, controlled by a rival player. So you might be able to do some pretty impressive things on your turn, but be aware of how much noise you're making, or you might find yourself overwhelmed in Sims. There is some variation from one scenario to the next, but typically the game plays for a number of rounds, and after the final round, points are scored and the high score wins the game. Some other highlights of Omicron Protocol include the story of the scenarios progressing from one game to the next, and perhaps most impressive is the implementation of a luck storing system. You see, if you need to deal 3 damage to destroy an enemy and you roll 6 hits, in many games you've simply rolled really well and more than what you needed. In this game though, those excess hits, if they also surpass your character's luck stat, you can convert them into luck tokens. These tokens will give you the ability moving forward to add a plus 1 modification to your future die rolls, and frankly, that adds a nice bit of tactical decisions for players. As you know, adventurers, Scott is the minis enthusiast, and I'm just dipping my toe in the water here. So before we talk about our thoughts, let's have a chat with Brennan and Bernie and learn more about Omicron Protocol. In the year 2050, the utopian city of San Lazaro was crippled by a mysterious virus. Quarantined and cut off from the rest of the world, the survivors band together in order to escape the city before they too succumb to the infection. The only things standing between you and salvation are rival factions looking to accomplish their own mysterious goals amid this chaos, and the Sims, cybermimetic sociopaths, once ordinary people who have grown maddeningly violent and unpredictable due to the virus. Tell you what, Scott, it got awfully crowded in here. I I, I know it, it always happens whenever we keep them in the side room and everything, and then they come in and it gets all kind of awkward and stuff. So. Seems like the studio can only hold four people. It can't hold four. It, it does well with two, but beyond that, it's uh wow.
that's what that sign is for that fire thing about only four people at a time. That's our occupancy. I was always wondering about ah. that. Yeah. Um, makes sense now. Brendan and Bernie from seemingly sunny California today while we sit here in our shivering cold basements. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Good to be here. Well, thanks for coming on. We've got to talk about Omicron protocol. Scott, you and I just gave it the breakdown, talked all about our experience with it. We don't know the game as well as these two guys because they're the ones that made it. So we're going to grill you guys today. You ready for this? <laughs> ready. Yep. Fire all away. right, Scott. All right, guys. So let's start at the beginning here. I think it's beneficial for our listeners to hear a little bit about the background of you guys. So folks who cut their teeth on chess will probably make a much different game than folks who cut their teeth on risk or something. So tell us a little bit about what makes you a gamer. What brought you into gaming? Before you even do that, what the heck does cut your teeth even mean? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not a joke. Hold on. Now, I know it means like, you know, learn how to do something, gain experience with, but where do they come up with cut your teeth? It actually comes from the old time whenever beavers would chew on wood and it would cut down their teeth in order to make them stronger as they go along. Are you telling a story right now or is that legit? I am telling a story right now. I have absolutely no idea. So I would have thought it had to do with gold. Like, you know, in a pawn shop, they they like chew on gold to see if it leaves an indentation. And if if it doesn't, then it's not gold. I would have thought it had to do with that. This is something for another episode. No, no, no. Bernie and Brennan, tell us, what does cut your teeth mean? (laughs) No idea. None. But so I where does it all begin as gamers? What's the background here, guys? Why don't we start with Brandon and then we'll switch it over to Bernie. Tell us a little bit about you two as board game and minis games players. Sure. Um, so let's see here. I guess I started my my full disclosure. My stepdad made a game back in the 80s. It's called Prospecting. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So much of my board game experience as a young person was just playing that game at home, <laughs> which is which is fun. But uh, much later in life, of course, I started to just become interested, and I went to our local game store in San Francisco called Gamescape, mm-hmm. and I accidentally bought <laughs> X-wing the miniatures game. <laughs> accidentally bought it. There's no, there's no accident. I thought I was getting a board game because I didn't really know what miniatures games were, but I bought it and then I kind of went home and was like, okay, how does this even work? I opened up the box and there was only a few minis in there. And like, I'm like, well, there's, I really need a person to play with. My wife is probably not going to like dog fight me on the kitchen table as much as I've begged. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so basically I started going back to the store to to their, you know, Tuesday night X-Wing nights and started meeting people and playing that. And that was my that was how I ended up in miniatures games w- <laughs> with the intention of getting into board gaming. But it was it's great fun. I played I played that. Um, that's where I met Bernie. I guess I'll let him tell you that part of the story. Let's see her. And then I ended up playing. I got into painting. I played uh, Malifaux, played Guild Ball, a bunch of kind of skirmish level miniatures games. And I'm, I'm just in love with that genre. But then, of course, as we travel around and go to game conventions and stuff, you know, Bernie's much more into board games and much more experienced with board games than I am. And so hmm. just end up playing a lot of board games and, and also, you know, falling in love with a lot of the, the like the creativity, the mechanics. I mean, it's just such an interesting expression of of design, I think. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> Give us a little background, Bernie. As a gamer, tell us about yourself. 
Um, yeah, so I probably started playing more board games, but you know the risks and the monopolies and all that. Sorry, fam, uh, life, shoots and ladders, um, and then. I think in the early 2000s, I got into Warhammer. <laughs> Big mistake. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, but I actually got into it because a friend of mine, he got into it and he needed someone. He needed another victim. I mean, friend to play with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I got into the lore first, and actually that got me into the game. And I just played a lot of miniatures and board games pretty much at the same time. So with most friends, I play board games. Uh, because, mm-hmm. as you know, the miniatures games is definitely a smaller group of people who play that. But I just have another group that plays like Warhammer. And then, yeah, as Brendan mentioned, I kind of stopped miniatures for quite a while until the mid 2010s. And yeah, picked up X-Wing. And it's, it's also like I saw X-Wing. I actually bought it for a friend of mine who loves Star Wars, but does not play games. And I was like, Oh, these are just some X-wing models, and he'll love this. And then we looked in the back. Time to sit on the shelf and look at and go exactly. (laughs) And then, like, I think it was like a convention. They're like, "It's a game." I was like, "Oh!" So I actually rushed to his place, and then we're like, "How is this a game? There's no board in there." And then we try to figure it out, and that was the first time we realized it was even a game. Wow! And then uh, I got into yeah, I got into that, and. Went to my first tournament also at Gamescape. That was like my first real game. And I printed a bunch of like online lists because I had no clue how to build a list. And then the first mm-hmm. person I approached to ask was Brendan. And I was like, uh, can you help me pick one to play? <laughs> and then he was pretty much like, well, they're all kind of junk, but this one's the least bad. <laughs> so I played that one. You got shellacked, didn't you? Yeah, and the rest was his. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He took third. He took third oh, at that tournament. After yeah. Brendan. That's not shellacked? Huh? <laughs> no, he, no. he did beat me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew exactly what he was playing. <laughs> yeah, and then ever since, uh, yeah, just kind of been playing both. As Brendan mentioned, I do love board games, and I go to, like, separate board game nights on top of miniature game nights. So... I see that there's a lot of miniature background here, Warhammer, X-Wing. At what point in time did you look at these things and you kind of got the inception of, you know what, we could do something with this a little bit different. Let's, let's make a game. How did Omicron Protocol come to fruition? That's an interesting story. I th- we took a little sidetrack into cooperative games. We mm-hmm. ran a convention KublaCon, our, our kind of local convention here. And for some reason, it just happened that we spent most of our time playing co-op games. Like, okay. Zombicide mm-hmm. was out. I think Dark Souls had come out from... Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Mech versus Minions. Mech versus Minions. There's a bunch of like co-op games. And and I was I had bought Dark Souls, the game, and I played a few games. Yeah. Well. You lost a lot of <laughs> I hear that one's He's really, really hard. Right I'm trying so hard not to... Yeah. Not to... Okay. <laughs> We're allowed to be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> Dark Souls was not as fun as I thought it should have been. And mm-hmm. I started to try to make house rules to improve 
you know, I had painted the minis. I really liked the way they looked. I was so into, you know, I love to play Dark Souls video games. So I was really excited about the game and found that I was not having the experiences that I wanted. And so I started to house rule to try to make my investment a, a little more worthwhile in that game. Sure. And I think that is the process that, I mean, later, like a couple months later, we were we were testing out our first versions of Omicron Protocol because uh, that process of like getting in there and starting to think about design from that angle, it was like, well, what if, I mean, what if we kind of had this, this third party enemy idea, but in a competitive miniatures game, like, I like would it. that work? And so we just started to kind of play with that idea. Yeah. The rest is history. <laughs> So, so, you know, so, before we got on, Bernie, you were telling me that it was all your idea, and now we're finding out <laughs> differently. Well, I mean, um, note to my previous self, when a friend calls and says he has an idea, <laughs> always say no. <laughs> uh, he, knew it was a, he knew it was a big deal because I don't make phone calls. And so <laughs> when I got hyped on the idea, I was like, oh, God, I got I to gotta call somebody and talk about it, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Phone calls from Brendan either means somebody got married, somebody died, or he wants to make a board game. Yeah, just, exactly. uh, and in, in keep that in all mind. situations, just like don't answer just, the phone. Yeah. Just ignore. <laughs> just wait, wait for the voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, guys. So you you take this idea, you start to develop it over time. I'm sure there's a full backstory behind the changes, the process. Tell me a little bit about what I perceive as an interesting challenge with Omicron Protocol. We had the chance to meet you guys at PAX and uh, Hungry Gamer turned us on to the game as well. This is a miniatures game that's board game adjacent. Uh, I I wouldn't call this a board game first. Uh, In our plays, I would describe this as a miniatures game first that kind of extends an open open hand, a rope up, an olive branch to board gamers (laughs) too, kind of holds their hand and, and welcomes them in. I can see where there's some benefits to that. Oh, we could appeal to both crowds. I could also see where, wow, how are we going to convince the Warhammer, the hardcore Warhammer guys to go for the one that's softened the blow for the board gamers? And how are we going to convince board gamers, people like Patrick, to dive into this big full-scale miniatures game? Tell me a little bit about that process, if that's something that you gave some thought, if that was the intention. Clear that air for us just a little. Yeah, it seems almost like it's a you got chocolate in my peanut butter. No, you got peanut butter in my chocolate kind of dilemma. What what happens here? How do you do it? We definitely had the intention of making a game that is less hardcore than, let's say, the Warhammers or Malifaux or games like that. It started off with kind of our, our ode to our favorite miniatures game at the time, which was Guild Ball. And we just like, how can we simplify this? How can we kind of keep the extract the best parts of a miniatures game and just make it really fast to play? So one of the processes was just like, what's extraneous and what's fun? Miniatures gamers, uh, Scott, as you know, like we oh, yes. love like all sorts of stats, more die rolls, like roll this against <laughs> yeah. that, uh, and super obscure rules that like will surprise you. But what if we just kept? The main, like, that's why uh, Omicron Protocol, as you know, we just have only a few stats mm-hmm. and we actually use that to like do different abilities rather than have multiple stats where you have to memorize everything. And as we developed it, it was just, I think we have a group of friends who play both board games and miniatures games, and we just got a lot of feedback. And I think a lot of people at the time, they're 
there are tons of miniatures games that are very complex. Like we don't need to make another one. So sure. it was, yeah, it was really like, they're like, okay, I, we want to find this game. That's kind of like in between. I mean, these days there are actually quite a few of those now, but we were just aiming for that. And as it evolved, we went from like rule, it actually started off ruler based and became hexes. Uh, we started looking into influences with D and D fifth ed. We're like, well, if people are willing to play D and D and kind of think about this, all their characters tactically, that's mm-hmm. kind of another um, kind of st- uh, reaching out to a different type of gamer that's not a miniatures gamer. Yeah, and then finally, I think the biggest uh, change we added that really crosses over to the board game side is the solo co-op mode, which actually yes. came out of our first uh, failed Kickstarter. And a lot of the backers were just like, hey, we live in a place where there are no game stores, there are no people that I know would play miniatures games. We need a solo mode. And that's kind of where we're like, solo mode in miniatures games? What? (laughs) And because of that, Brendan actually came up with the brilliant idea of how to convert our game into a solo co-op mode with pretty much bare minimum changes. And from that point on, we just realized at conventions, uh, we run more cooperative mode actually now than our competitive mode. And just like at PAX, I think I, I might have mentioned before, about 80% of people who sat down said they never played a miniatures game before. And we're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, like, we'll teach you the rules, but you can leave anytime you want. And then an hour <laughs> later, they're still playing. So yeah, for sure. And, and had people there that, I mean, we had a guy that had never played minis before and he pre-ordered our game on the spot. I mean, he, you know, he, he went all in and it was like, nice. wow, I, I, we're speaking to some people, you know, and, and that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Boy, how rewarding an experience right on the spot. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And and I, I just want to compliment you guys as well. Your your perception of the game is is spot on. You know, you, yeah. You've obviously spent time with it and studied it. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's really always really appreciated when people highlight something about our game. that's like that was our intention. And we actually like we communicated that. It's really, really nice, <laughs> nice to hear. Yeah. You know what helped us a lot was uh, Hungry Gamer Will Brown's uh, How to Play. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, that was on 24th. <laughs> okay, what do I do here? What do I do here? You know what I think for me, a lot of the crossovers, and I, I said this in the first portion of the episode, a lot of board games give you sort of an action allocation. Like, okay, I have this many points to work with. What do I want to opt to do? Now, I don't have that miniatures game background. I don't know if this is really common amongst miniature games or not, but it felt like with each of my characters, it was more of a, okay, how am I going to allocate what I have to spend and what am I going to do with it? So it really was an efficiency puzzle to to move tactically, shoot if I want to, take some cover if I want to. It felt like a board game, but you're just in the boots of this one guy. And with that comes an immersion, which is where I'm going to insert a surprise question. One that I did not think to add. I want to know <laughs> who came up with the idea of this intra apocalyptic world in San, La- San Lazaro. San yeah. Lazaro. Is San Lazaro a real place? Hmm? And who came up with the crazy ass idea of a cybernetic elephant? Here you go again with that elephant. Uh, guilty as charged. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That, that thing's going to end up on Scott's mantle, like the X-Wing toys that you got for your buddy. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the evolution, like the inception and the evolution of the theme of the game, the setting of the game. I mean, Omicron Protocol, it's obviously going to have something to do with some sort of a virus threatening uh, folks, mm-hmm. but 
Tell us why that direction. We'll also want to know whether or not, to finish this up with, was it a good thing or a bad thing that Omicron ended up being the name of one of the variants? <laughs> we all know that the game was named prior to that, but that could that could be a curse or a blessing, and I want to know how it ended up. Go ahead, guys. I th- we had a lot of we had a lot of brainstorming early on. So obviously we came at it mechanically at first, right? It does this idea of a third party in a miniatures game even work, right? And mm-hmm. so we started we kind of started with these archetypal kind of character classes almost like okay, this is a sniper, this is a this is an archer. Mm-hmm. Uh, about I would say 2 months into it when we were like, yeah, we're doing this we started to name those characters. We started to flesh them out. And from that, the seeds of this, this world was sort of born. I mean, it, it really did start out as kind of a eh, zombie thing, whatever. And we just started to layer in like, you know, it'd be more interesting than that is, <laughs> is something else. And we just started to kind of brainstorm and, and uh, build off each other's ideas. Um, yeah. Regarding the name, it's actually the way the name was chosen well, not to spoil the story, but we wanted it to be something about protocol and Omega, like there is actually an Omega protocol sector seven game. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was mm-hmm. just looking through the Greek letters, mm-hmm. using one that's a little later for story reasons <laughs> and has a cool name. And I was like, Omicron, I've never heard of this Greek letter before. And then I did a Google search. Not too many people used it. So I was like, hey, this will be a perfectly <laughs> unique name. Uh, if anyone searches Omicron, it will always be us. So, um, well, mm-hmm. that part did not go as well. But, I mean, there, no publicity is bad publicity, as they say. So there you I go. think it's good that our game is about a pandemic and a virus, even though it's a computer virus. Otherwise, it would have been even harder to explain if someone's like, Omicron protocol, it's about unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> that probably would be a weird association versus now we actually go like, it is actually about a pandemic and a lockdown and a virus. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say there's a, a serious side benefit, which is that at PAX Unplugged, I mean, that was a hugely successful con for us. We taught like 60 yeah. people the game. Probably half of those people <laughs> were like, oh, sorry about the name. Uh, what is this? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll sit down. So pretty good. <laughs> pretty good in my estimation. My Sketch favorite. Nice. Yeah. My favorite was still someone came by and th- like took a selfie with our banner. And then they're like, oh, we thought this was the PAX U protocol for the Omicron variant. <laughs> so I was just oh, like. no. Yeah. It, it gets us attention and that's okay. I can't help but feel like there's somebody sitting at the World Health Organization that keeps getting phone calls like, they're asking <laughs> about stats for Bob the Bear and what his range is. <laughs> Why is the bear named Bob? Bob's name is probably the one that took the least like actual planning. It literally, I was like, we need a bear. We need a cyber bear. What's his name? Bob was the first name that popped into my head. (laughs) And I don't know why it just works because I think most people are like, yeah, Bob, the bear. (laughs) And Bob's stuck. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Now, the adventurers I know are listening right now. They're going through, wow, this is kind of a board game. It's kind of a, wait, wait, wait. You talked about a cybernetic elephant and Bob the bear. <laughs> Would you get off the elephant? Be quiet. This is my question. Anyway, where can they get this game at? Like, what will they get whenever they put down their shekels and say, here, 
I'm interested in buying this game. What am I going to get? Floor is yours. Let us know what awesomeness they can all get. Well, for starters, of course, there's the core box and the expansion, which contains Bob the bear and the elephant. Yeah, those are available and a cat, right now. A cat on a pole. And a kinds cat. Of little critters in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lots. Okay. So essentially, unique characters, exciting factions with a, with a very strong theme and thematic tactical play, miniatures that are Sims, the cyber mimetic sociopaths. So those are the third party enemy. You'll get a great competitive experience or a great solo or co-op experience, depending on what you're looking for. And it's available right now for pre-order on our website, which is deadalivegames.com. It's on the boat. So it's a pre-order still, but it it is, I don't know, a month away from available. So, mm-hmm. okay. Well, compared to when sometimes whenever people are doing Kickstarters, it's a year and a half away if they know. So <laughs> if it's that much closer, I mean, that's that's something there that can definitely build up a froth there of like, oh, my God, I need to get this. And I only have to wait a month and a half or so to get it. This will be great. It's tangible. It's produced. It is on its way. And as any miniatures or board gamers these days know, um, we have lots of accessory upgrades <laughs> that are also on our website. We're both miniatures and board gamers so we're like we need the best dice we need the best tokens <laughs> the best oh, yeah. mats yeah they're all there including oh we also have like a 300 page storybook with all the uh, photos the art the stories of the whole world and of course brendan's awesome painting <laughs> of the miniatures yeah that, so- that makes me just a little bit jealous there i mean <laughs> i've done a ton of painting but whenever you see that done it's just oh the detail and everything is just absolutely amazing and i remember at pax you were showing me your uh, komodo dragon and it's oh it was just absolutely beautiful what you did with it great great job thank you Guys, one thing I don't want to sell short is that this box has a ton of value crammed into it. You get the standees and the miniatures, both versions in your core box. If you get the expansion, both versions in there as well. What are we looking at for the price? Yeah, currently um, we are selling the core box for $99.95. And then we are selling the uh, expansion box, which comes with the massive elephant for $65. Both are actually on sale pre-order right now. So... Until we get it, you get $10 off, I believe, on our website. And how many miniatures are in that core box? There's got to be, th- what, 30? More than that, yeah. <laughs> yeah more. <laughs> exactly. You want, a, uh, you want a big box game with more than 30 miniatures in it. After shipping, you back it on a Kickstarter now. What do you think, Scott? 160, 180? Oh, geez. I'm definitely going. I mean, if you go with the Games Workshop kind of model here, you're looking at probably $220, if not more for that, I would say. So, Adventures, if you're a board gamer thinking about making that transition to try out a miniatures game, one thing that's always held me up, Scott, is that I don't want to drop a quarter of a grand to build an army and not actually like it, let alone having to, like, assemble them and paint them and, you know, do all the work involved behind. Then I got to buy the paints. I got to buy the brushes. And you know what? I don't have any talent to do that. This is a nice way to get into it. Get up. And the other thing, too, for nothing. Going, like you said, with the background of Warhammer. All right, you have two armies for Warhammer. What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to fight over this piece of land. Oh, what are you going to do for the next one? We're going to fight over this piece of land. (laughs) 
You get okay, different objectives game. here. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. Yeah, there's an objective there. Let's fight over this piece of land for that objective. <laughs> but with yours, you have this story and all this stuff that goes along with it. And it, it really draws you into the universe that you created. It really is a great universe that you put together here and brought to life. Thank you. Thanks so much. We just recently finished some organized play support. So oh, wow. we're, linking, we're linking the scenarios that come with the core and expansion box into both a competitive and a cooperative campaign. It's a light campaign, but the mm -hmm. stories do follow kind of our entire storybook. So it's kind of like you do this and then you like get a little bit of benefit for your next game. Also, people can run tournaments if they want to do competitive mode. People can play and gain kind of sort of level up their characters a little bit um, if they play cooperative. Uh, so we're just going to continue to support the game on our website with these unofficial rules. A lot of the ideas came from some of our backers. So we'll definitely recognize them. And we love the community support and kind of interaction that comes with this. So this game will be supported. When we chatted for a little bit at PAX, you guys did seem to have a, you did seem to be making it a priority to build a community around the game. You didn't just want to make a game in here, play it you know, we're done. It's, it's out there in the universe. You wanted to have, like you're saying, uh, like organized play. That was part of our next question, which also included what's the next steps for Omicron. Tell us a little bit more about how organized play works and what we might expect to see down the road. Well, down the road, we're definitely going to have some more expansions in the form of cross-faction characters. So that one mm -hmm. we're looking to do this year. And then we have a couple more teams that, that are kind of in, in our backlog uh, that we need to flesh out the rules, but those are exciting developments for the next year or two. So yeah, our, we plan to continue on that. We And I mean, gosh, so that's our immediate plans, but we have other ideas as well. I mean, it's just such a fun world to think about and to brainstorm about. So yeah, we're very excited about that. As far as the organized play? Yeah, for organized play, um, I'm. I mean, I used to run all the X-Wing and the Guild Ball tournaments locally. So I will be the first guinea pig for our own organized play document. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll be running some tournaments locally and campaigns locally just for people who have the game. A lot of our supporters are our local friends. And then Brendan's also actually working on kind of our website to have some tools for the tournament organizer, you know, to record scores, to get pairings, to record their mm -hmm. league stuff. We created a template. I mean, it's on Google Sheets, but that's kind of how I keep track of campaigns too. So sure. people can just do that. And if you get a benefit, it'll hopefully like highlight for you, like, oh, you have this benefit now. You leveled up. So there'll be a I lot see, of I see, what, I see what you did there with level up. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. That's a, a great thing because so many times you can get on a website, take a look at their game, and then you go over to this other one to find a place to track everything and go to this one to find this. Mm -hmm. Having it all in one place, I think that really does show that you care about the gamer's experience and what they're getting because you want them to stay in this community. You want to get this to bloom into something really big and being able to do that and keep it all in one place. That's an amazing factor to add into your stuff. Nice. I think this is, this is some, if I might sell miniatures gaming a little bit to, to the board gamers <laughs> out mm -hmm. there, I think this is something that, that kind of sets minis games apart a little bit. It's just that focus on community. It's something that we oh, sure. want to bring to the, to our game, to our local community and, and everywhere else. Like that support is important. And I think it, 
it's really fun. I think it's something that goes beyond sort of a, a board game night into into territory of meeting interesting people and just, I don't know, just experiencing gaming on a, on a whole new level. Uh, it's almost like a D&D campaign. Like the group <laughs> of people you form is like people you'll play games. I mean, not just that same game. Like that's how Brendan and I met with X-Wing. Right. And now we play like multiple games and now it's Omicron Protocol. And mm-hmm. all these people I call friends and I bring over for board games also. So I think keeping the community li- alive is pretty much the most important thing in, in launching a, anything that's a minis game. Right. Well, guys, we know you're on your way up to Reno. You've got Gamma. You're showing off the game. You've been getting out there and getting it in front of faces. We know you're busy. But before we let you go, we want to give you the chance to level up. Yes. Yeah. Always good. Scott, you know what to do. You got the stopwatch? We had such a good time with these guys. I feel bad about doing this. Yes, yes, of course. Guys, here's what's going to happen. Who wants to go first? Oh, God. Uh, Okay, Bernie's pointing at Brendan. (laughs) Brendan, you're going to get to go first. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you eight questions, and I want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Ready, Scott? All right, and go. How many games of Omicron Protocol do you think you've played? 500. What's the most disgusting deli meat that you can buy? Oh, my God. I don't know. (laughs) Most disgusting deli meat? I don't even know. I have no Which answer. Which Omicron Protocol faction is your favorite? Oh, Peacemakers, my first love. If you and Bernie agreed to a full-fledged boxing match, who would win? Bernie, he works out more. <laughs> Can you play an instrument? Sort of. If I'm watching a movie with lovable characters Sven and Olaf, what movie am I watching? Oh, boy. Um, uh, l- love in the... North. <laughs> How many consecutive push-ups can you do? At least two. <laughs> and the best video game ever is Dark Souls. Time. Oh, hey, not bad, not bad. Hey, Scott, we got a lot of answers in that. He did better know, than a lot I of know. the other guests. That was yeah. pretty impressive there. So that's gonna be putting uh, Bernie on the spot. The uh, the movie. Come on, come on, guys. Olaf and Sven. Let it go. Now what? Bernie knows it. Yeah, that's it. It's frozen. I I got a six-year-old. So, All right, Bernie, that means you're on the spot. A chance to level up. We're going to do eight questions. Are you ready? All right. Scott? And go. What's the best pizza topping? Uh, Pepperoni. Besides Omicron Protocol, what is your favorite board game? Uh, Chaos in the Old World. Who is the coolest Star Wars character? Darth Vader. You're recruited for the local Renaissance Festival. What role would you play? A ranger. If I'm watching a movie with short, portly characters named Oin, Gloin, Ori, Nori, and Balin, amongst others, what movie am I watching? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Close. Beer or liquor? Uh, liquor. In a one-on-one competitive game of Omicron Protocol, who is better, you or Brendan? Uh, I'll say Brendan. (laughs) Just to keep last question for all the marbles given a day to do so and a $10,000 reward for completion. Would you drink an entire gallon of milk that expired four weeks ago? Uh, no, not for 10,000 bucks. Um, I'm also lactose intolerant, so (laughs) So it doesn't matter if it's expired or not. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) there'll be very bad consequences. Time. 
What do you think, Scott? I'd say they earned it. They crushed it. Well done, oh, guys. I, I, it was very impressive. We're usually a little better at putting you guys putting people off their uh, off their hinges a little bit. I'm impressed. Those are fun questions. That I love was it. Good. Yep. <laughs> well, guys, we're going to give you the floor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tell the adventures a little bit about where they can learn more. Yeah, uh, one more time to plug that website. Tell us where we go, where we pre-order, everything we need to know. Closing statements. Right. Yeah, head to deadalivegames.com, deadalivegames.com. All of our stories are published there. So if you're interested in getting in the world, head there. Yep, you can get the game pre-ordered there on our store. Yeah, I'll say um, all gamers out there, if you're open-minded and willing to give the game a try, I'm sure even if it's not your type of game, you should have a fun time. We've seen a lot of people enjoy it. And also, we are very easy to reach. Uh, You could always contact us through the website. Um, and we'll get back to you really quickly. And find us at Origins and Gen Con. Seriously, guys, thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us today. It was great seeing you again after PAX. Looking forward to cons coming up in the future. Hopefully we can meet up and everything at Origins again and have some laughs. Yeah, truly, thank you. Congratulations on a great game, and we look forward to seeing more from you. Scott, idea, team play. Next year at PAX, we'll take them on. Those two versus us two. I want to borrow the copy. I need to start practicing. All right. All right. I'll let Don know. (laughs) We're in for sure. I'll write some strategy guides for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Safe trip to Reno. Have a great day. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Scott, I say it every time, it's really enjoyable when you have the chance to work with these designers, talk with them, meet them, play their game. It's just so exciting to get that little peek behind the scenes. It makes the games feel even better. Like I said earlier, it's one of those things where you get the excitement from them about the game that they created, where you can look at a box and think, eh, maybe it's not the game for me. But you hear that excitement, it kind of gets you going and you want to play that game. And so many times you find those little buried treasures that you may have overlooked and these things jump out and you realize, hey, this is a winner of a game. So you are the minis guy. You've you've played your fair share of these things. I'm relatively new to miniatures and games. What are your thoughts? Uh, Give me a breakdown. Oh, Scott's thoughts. We should trademark that. Give me Scott's thoughts on Omicron Protocol. Having played the game, talked with the designers. What do you think about this one? Well, I know that uh, I'm probably still going to get some hate mail about me not being all that thrilled about Nemesis. So Nemesis has similar things here as this game does where you make noise and that stirs up the aliens or it stirs up the sims in this case. Yeah, it gets that third so what party going. Here, yes. So what happens here, though, is I like having the bigger space. You have the space to run behind something and hide. Or you have to hurry up and turn on one of the computer consoles and download some information, but then mm-hmm. can run and hide while you're doing it. There's a lot more room for you to explore and create the visual landscape that you're playing in. Another thing I really loved is the movement style as Battletech. Battletech, I'm still a huge fan of that, mm-hmm. where you have the action points to move. Right. Well, in this one here, it's the same thing. If you want to turn to the left, well, you got to use an action point to turn to the left. You really have to stop and think about how important 
using those actions are. You really have to sit there and go like all, it's a beautiful mind and working Russell Crowe's theorems and calculations in his mind and everything like that. Yes, I'm going back a few years for a movie. Now, another thing also no, is- No, you're right. You have, to, I, you have to kind of think out your turn. Like, where do I want to be at the end of this? How many action points yes. do I have? And then you sort of have to like, what do they call it? Whenever you backtrack, you retrofit. You know what I'm talking about. You have to sort of exactly. like, okay, take steps backwards. How am I going to get to that point using the actions? You really got to think a little bit about it. Right. It's, it's so important to do that and draw those imaginary lines in your mind as to where you want to go and, and add everything up so it works out. The other thing I like is some of the scenarios you win at three points. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, whenever you look at this three points, that's not a lot. So that means this is going to be pretty tough. It's not going to be a walk in a park. It's going to take you a lot of sweat and tears and blood and everything else in order to make those three points. So that's a a very good thing there. You know, it's not going to be a light game. And each one of these things build on another, on another, on another. So you feel like you're watching the latest series on Amazon Prime or something, building up the episodic television series. Yeah, it really so does like one stacks on the on next. Oh, yeah. And the combat, the idea that you roll for combat and the points that you roll over, well, that's not just damage. You can do extra attacks or you can upgrade your character in some ways. So you can use those things the points that you get in so many different ways. It's not just bang, I shot you. It's bang, well, I'm going to ricochet that off of that, knock that building down over onto you, and Convert you're going to die. Luck. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, not there's just a lot of different things there. So you're going like all matrixy on people there with that one. <laughs> there's so many little things in this. Oh, and by the way, yeah? did I mention the cybernetic elephant? Oh, nine times. Oh, hey, <laughs> going back I, to I December. Keep that, going. that is a pretty sweet mini. Yes, yes. Now, not being the minis guy, what did you think about the game? Well, it did hold my hand a little bit, getting me introduced into that world. You know, I see guys playing, like they're always setting up Armada and they got spaceships mm-hmm. and, you know, what's what's the World War II game that Dawn's obsessed with? Uh, that is um, not bold action. I know you're playing um, Team Yankee a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're doing Team Yankee a whole bunch. Is that yes. a, Team Yankees? I thought that was like the name of his group. No, Team Yankee is like a World War III type of game. Oh, oh, okay. Well, fair enough. They're mm-hmm. playing that all the time, and I see all these stats, and they're bringing out tape measures and rulers and templates. And I'm like, eh, I love that this gives you that hex-based grid to work with. It yes. takes what could be a very, not convoluted, but intricate system where you have to kind of research behind the scene. Like, Okay, Scott, when I played Magic, you didn't just show up and play Magic. You did a lot of reading. You learned about the metagame. Mm-hmm. You learned about what's good right now, what you might expect to see at a tournament. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes work that you had to put in to be successful. And I think since I've gotten away from Magic because I don't have that kind of time anymore, that's the intimidation factor for me. And honestly, Omicron removed that. You have a game that is very approachable. It, it can get you into miniatures. It your your parallel to Nemesis, I thought was pretty good because Nemesis does feel restricting. Like, oh, I'm in this one room. I have this one thing I can do plus the cards in my hand. Now, I love Nemesis, but mm-hmm. this gave you a little bit more of an open system where it's like, well, I'm not stuck in one room with two corridors. I can go wherever right. I want. I have this list of available actions every single turn. It was inviting. 
I'm still not a miniatures guy. I'm not going to say, oh, this one converted <laughs> me. But this is one that will make it back to the table. I'm really glad we had the chance to talk with Brendan and Bernie, and I'm really looking forward to playing it some more. Yeah, and I mean, if people have other questions about things, a great place to go, a great tool to have is YouTube. And our friend uh, Will Brown, the Hungry Gamer. The Dung Merchant. A great, uh, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> he has an excellent couple of videos, including a how to play video on this game. So it really gives you an idea of what the game is like, what the gameplay is like. And it will. I'm, I'm telling you, it will tempt you to pull out the wallet and say, yes, give me some Omicron. See, I still feel dirty about saying that, I mean, at this point in time. But you know what I mean. You understand. Hey, Adventurers, thank you so much for joining us today. If you missed it last week, we had the chance to talk about the Kickstarter smash hit Earth. Next week, we're going to be talking about a big title from Awakened Realms, The Great Wall. Looking forward to that one, Scott. Yep, there's no Matt Damon in this one at all. (laughs) Scott, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. You take care, buddy. Thank you so much for joining this adventure of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. There you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes. Learn more at adamhainesmusic.com. And remember... You can spend another night on the sofa, or you can get some friends together, get some adventures on the table, and level up.